Hey guys, and welcome back to the Yes Means Yes podcast. On this week's episode, we have on five lovely women to discuss healthy relationships. As usual, my name is Faith Namchef. I'm the Victim Advocate and Outreach Coordinator, and I'm going to let everyone go around and introduce themselves, give us their name, their age, and their relationship status. Um, I am almost 23 years old, and I am currently single. Hey guys, I'm Aileen. I am the prevention educator with Rape Counselors of East Alabama. I'm 23, also single. I am Dondra Williams and I am an intern here at uh, Rape Counselors of East Alabama. I am 45 years old and I am married. Hey guys, uh, I am Miandi. I am 22 years old. I am married, have been with my husband for five years, married for one year. Uh, we're both in college and coming up on some big life decisions. <laughs> hey everyone, uh, my name is Emily and I am 29. Um, I'm married and we have one daughter and um, I'm an MSW student at JSU. My name is Brittany. I am 22 years old, and I have been dating my boyfriend for almost a year and a half now. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining us. So we're going to really jump right into the questions. Um, we're really going to use them more as like a guideline for the discussion. So, of course, branch out, say what you need to say, ask questions you want to ask. But to start off with, what does a healthy relationship look like to you? So um, well, when doing these questions, I wanted to really make sure that I talk about everything as comprehensively as possible. And then my husband looked over my shoulder and his answer was a wife with a black eye. And although this joke uh, is a joke, it's a little distasteful, but sometimes laughing at the things that are pretty harrowing make them a little bit more approachable. And so one of the biggest foundations of a healthy relationship to me is communication. So talk about food, friends, money, education, fears, and loves. It's not letting the small things grow into big things. It is, you know, bringing up the fact that you don't like that hair falls in your face when you sleep and not, you know, waiting six months. And then you're like, I can't sleep in the same bed as you anymore. Um, it's just about being open and honest. And I think that is the most important factor to a healthy relationship. Aileen, again, I think that in all of my relationships, you know, romantic or otherwise, what I really want first and foremost is a mutual respect. So having that, I think, opens the door for, you know, for that communication about the easy things, the hard things, the little fit things, the fun things, whatever it is. I think it also opens up the door for accountability where you kind of hold not only yourself accountable, but your partner accountable for the things that you want to grow in together, for the things that you want to do for each other, that kind of thing. To me, a healthy relationship is a relationship where you have um, gives and takes and also where um, you can create boundaries and have those respected as well as respect boundaries of others, whether it's an intimate relationship or like a friendship relationship, employment, employer relationship, but just where you can express your boundaries of whatever it might be 
and have those respected and be able to mutually do that as well. I totally agree with you. I, I do agree that um, whenever I read that question, that boundaries was the word that came up for me. Um, I also feel like a healthy relationship, you know, it should support you in your dreams and your growth as an individual, um, whether it be romantic or friendship. Um, and it should provide that unconditional love, support and respect. Um, and without those things, you know, really you should consider is this relationship worth continuing? Um, like I said, whether it be romantic or not. I also was thinking that unconditional love, like, first of all, if I mess up, I shouldn't be afraid to go to people who are supposed to be there for me. Um, also, I would like to say that I think in a healthy relationship, you should be able to be your own person. I know that I personally have been in a relationship where a guy was like, we have to do everything together and that's just not okay. Like sometimes you're going to need some space, like not just me, but I know my boyfriend needs space from me sometimes too. And that's okay. Good. Yeah. I agree with all of y'all's answers. I've always like half joked with half been honest. I always say, I don't want someone who wants a girlfriend. I want someone who wants to date me. So I feel like that kind of like encompasses the whole, like, I'm okay by myself. My life is totally fine, but then you're just adding to it. And that's how I've always like tried to review um, romantic relationships in my life. So going off of this, what qualities are important to you in relationships? So for me, it's mostly honesty and then genuineness and empathy. Um, particularly for me, I, did not have the easiest uh, prior history in any relationships, friendships or otherwise. Um, and so meeting people who, whether they knew it or not, were able to be empathetic and understanding and genuine about their reactions. They didn't lie to me or bottle things up and they were honest with me. Um, have led to the best relationships that I've had so far with my best friends that I have now and with my husband. Um, I think, you know, with some of my friends in the past, that genuineness and that honesty and that empathy didn't exist, where one of my old friends told me that some of the things I went through were my fault for the way I dressed. And that was a really telling moment for me at that point that I realized maybe the people who I thought were my friends really weren't because they were just unwilling to even try to see things from the way I saw them. For me, I think that the people who I seek out in relationships, like all types of relationships, I want not only that empathy, because that means that they're going to be kind to me and understanding with me and like my wants and my needs, but also like an authenticity to themselves. Because I think that, you know, you always hear in terms of romantic relationships, you know, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. I think that you can't be empathetic and understand someone else to support them in like a healthy mutually beneficial relationship if you're not in tune with yourself as well. This is Dondra. Um, for me, I would say honesty, loyalty, and just effective communication. So communication is like a big for me. 
um, whether it's bad or good. I just think that um, if even in friendship, um, that if you communicate effectively, that um, you can overcome a lot of obstacles or misunderstandings and uh, things like that, that are relationship ending with just pure communication. Um, and that's not only, you know, effective communication is speaking, but also listening. So that's huge for me. And then honesty, but then also loyalty, which um, goes a long way for, for me is um, loyal to me. And when I say loyal, I don't mean, you know, just telling me what I want to hear or doing what I want to do, but being there when I need you to be there, whether it's just to listen to me or to, you know, sit with me or if I'm pouting, you can like pout your lip out or whatever. But at the same time, um, being loyal enough to tell me that, you know, no, you're wrong or look at it this way. Um, so, but just, that's what I would say. Honesty, loyalty, and communication. I really, um, agree with that. That's pretty much what I wrote down also, uh, Dantra. Um, I had, uh, wrote that I've always been really like attracted to people with, you know, like a good sense of humor and personality. But as I got older, um, I, I became to really value respect, trust, communication, and support. Um, and especially in a relationship setting, as I've gotten older, um, respect and trust and communication are just now wildly sexy. <laughs> and they used to not be, but they are now. I would say trust for sure. Like, I don't want to be questioned every time I go out. I just think that's an important foundation. Again, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, Dondra, I like that you mentioned loyalty because I think this is an important thing in romantic and friendships because I know there have been instances, like, and especially I feel like this is a lot more true with girls, where I feel like I have been, like, not chosen to hang out with sometimes, like, from friends, you know, when you have that friend, they want to hang out with you, but only when someone who's not cooler is around or when someone who doesn't have that pool or that nice car wants to hang out with them, they'll hang out with you. So I definitely think loyalty has always been a big thing in my life. I want to add in there that I think it's important that what's, what was said was loyalty, not unconditional loyalty. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think, especially when your friendships start lasting a really long time, or you've been in a relationship with a person for a really long time, it gets really hard to tell them no. And it gets really hard to redefine your because boundaries change. Your relationship changes, your boundaries will change. And so it is absolutely necessary to be confident when you decide to say no to somebody um, because it doesn't mean you're not loyal. It just means that you know that whatever is going on is not good for you. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And also, like, that kind of reminded me of something that Dondra had said just about being loyal isn't necessarily, you know, you're on someone's side, right? You want to support them and you want to help them better themselves. But being loyal sometimes means calling somebody out when they've done something that you know isn't right or that you know isn't going to help further their interests in the future. So I like that you brought that up, Miandi, because that goes right into the next question. So this one is definitely more for romantic relationships and especially long-term relationships. 
So does being asked for or even asking for consent change when you're in a relationship? And do you believe it is still necessary? I'm going to start with a quote from my husband because he saw this question and his first response was, you can rape your wife. And I mean, you know, if that's not a defining feature of who he is as a person, I don't know what it is. Uh, just very direct to the point. Um, but consent is just as important, but how it presents itself changes the longer you're in a relationship. Um, so you know, when you're in a very beginning relationship, everything absolutely needs to be verbal. And depending on your partner's history, things may still need to absolutely be verbal. But I know in my own personal relationship that there are a lot of nonverbal cues that, you know, are yeses or nos, and not everything is necessarily, do you want to? And then, you know, that response. But I also think it's incredibly important to, talk, to say that a no is a no is a no. Uh, you don't argue it, you don't complain about it, you don't try to get someone to change their mind about it. If you're asking for a hug or a kiss and your partner says no, deal with it. Because um, that's a you problem, not a them problem. Um, I know that there are times that I am touch aversive and my husband comes to me for a hug and I like literally physically jump back. And we've talked about it so it doesn't hurt as much because like in the beginning it hurt of course it would hurt when you know somebody you love jumps away from your touch but you know making it clear that it's not something personal that it's not that i don't love you or that i don't want to be with you it's just not right for me right now let's try again in like an hour and see what happens um, or, you know, you try to go to sleep and I'm sure anyone who's married or like lives with their partner knows this, you try to go to sleep and someone just like slides their hand over. And then I'm like, flip, roll over, scrub to the other side of the bed and just be like, nope, sorry, not tonight. And that's just accepted. And that's how it should be. If your partner is not accepting that, there's something wrong and those boundaries need to be redefined. I really like everything that you just said. Um, because I, I wrote that communication and consent for me and my relationship um, was sort of like intertwined. Um, and so you sort of sort of mirrored that in what you said. And I mean, it really is just as important, but you're right. There are like verbal cues that you have to like, you learn over time. You learn about your partner. Um, so I'm glad that you, you mentioned all that. You, you really, uh, pretty much said everything that I was going to say about consent and the importance of it. I also agree with everything that's been said. I um, agree that in the beginning of a relationship, there's obviously a lot more communication verbally that needs to be done, but there's a really fine line in you know, relying on nonverbal cues with someone who you've been in a long-term relationship with. I think it's really important to talk about what your nonverbal cues mean, or like if you're somebody who's not very verbally assertive, like I know I've had this problem in the past where a partner, where like a long-term partner has kind of initiated something and I haven't really felt like it, but I haven't said yes, but I haven't said no. And it's just, you know, inherently problematic, especially if like you're intoxicated, things like that, where, you know, I think 
knowing how someone is going to respond when you say no and having that conversation beforehand may make you more comfortable to say no. I also think that that was a problem with me and myself not feeling comfortable communicating that to my partner and that that definitely should have been a conversation. So going just back to what is a healthy relationship, I think it means that you're comfortable to talk about these things from like the get-go and even as you get closer and closer and feel like oh we've been together for so long we shouldn't have to have this conversation like no you can have any conversation that you feel the need to have i'm glad that you brought up that nonverbal con- communication is not always enough um because i i completely uh connect with you on the point that like it's hard to say no um especially like the longer your relationship goes on the more you feel like you have to um and so being with somebody communicating what your those nonverbal cues look like or having a safe word. I personally I think every relationship should have a safe word, no matter how weird. Just, you know, make it red. Make it like flailing your arms on the ground. I don't care. Have that safe word so that you can like point out when something is going wrong. I mean, you know, we, you know, safe word, red, easy. I've used it watching a movie and something scared comes on and I'm like, you need to turn on, <laughs> save me, save me. Um, because it's that quick and easy short stop. And because it's something that is mutually agreed on, there's less pressure on you in terms of being assertive because you and your partner have both come to an agreement that this is the word we use when something doesn't feel right. Even if it's not extreme, we just stop, take a break, talk about it and see if we need to do something else. Yeah. And I think with friendships too. So um, I'm not a touchy person. I did not grow up in a touchy household. That is not me. That has never been me and my friends. And then you make a new friend and maybe they're a touchier friend, but thankfully my friends like respect me and they're okay with that. And they're not like trying to constantly pet my hair or give me a hug or something. Um, but my sister, she's come home on multiple occasions and told me that her friend like made her hug them and she would like lie and say that she couldn't hug them for this reason or that reason or that she was sick. And I just think that's so funny. And that's just such a little thing that you don't think about, but like some people aren't huggers. So you shouldn't just like automatically assume either that you can hug someone because they're your friend. I think that's important. I'll be honest with y'all. It took me coming to college to really learn how to ask somebody if they want to hug. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in a small southern town, the church, like two, two seconds down the street. Uh, you hug everyone you see. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't optional. That was just how you were raised. Um, and so coming to college and th- there was this realization that I had walking on campus that I don't know these people <laughs> and they don't know me. And maybe I should ask before approaching their personal space. Um, and even with my best friends, um, Neither of them are very physical people. Uh, And so, you know, like any touches that do happen are not usually hugs. They're usually, you know, those like when you're watching a movie with your friend and you like poke their toe because you want to see their reaction, like that kind of like jokey thing. That's like the extent of any physical interaction that occurs because that's all they're really comfortable with. That's all they're really looking for. And that was something I had to learn as an adult was how not only to explore those boundaries, but how to feel comfortable and happy within those boundaries. Right, and I think too, living in the South, like you said, you grow up and you go to church and you're like five or six years old and you're told you have to hug this person 
or you go see family, you met them maybe twice in your life, but you have to hug them because that's how you say goodbye and that's how you say hello. So I think it's definitely taught early and that's kind of where we get it from. And like in that same realm, I think that teaching your kids from an early age, like when that starts happening, that it's okay to say no and it's okay to give somebody like a high five or like a fist bump or just something else that they're more comfortable with. I think that plays into how comfortable we are when we get to college and we realize that not everybody wants to be hugged or when you get in a long-term relationship and you don't know how to respond when somebody touches you and you aren't necessarily into it. I think that it all starts from like the ground up and the earlier you start teaching kids about consent, the better. Cute story time. So I have a niece and nephew and my niece is very much a hugger, very much a kisser. She'll love on you all you want. I get down on my knees and I'm like, can I have a hug? And she's like in my arms. My nephew, on the other hand, is not. He will stare at you and go, mm-hmm, and then walk away. And so one day we were sitting on the couch and I had asked my nephew for a kiss. He'll sit on you without you asking, but you just let you, you can't ask him for anything. He'll just come into your space on his own. And so he was sitting like halfway on me and I was like, oh, can I have a kiss, D'Artagnan? And he was like, no. And I said, okay. And of course, you know, I pouted a little bit. It's always sad when your little nephew is like, I don't want to kiss. And he looks at me and he goes and just pats my cheek two times very slowly. And I looked at him and it was like this click in my head of how, one, how perceptive he was. And two, how he adjusted his response to make both of us happy. And I told him thank you and, you know, praised him for adjusting his reactions to ensure that, you know, there was mutual understanding of the situation. And he was only two, you know, children notice a lot. And, you know, it made me really think about how I react to these behaviors to make sure that they know that I'm not sad about them saying no necessarily and that that's okay. And that is always okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes healthy consent, healthy relationships, the consent is a negotiation. Like come up to someone, can I hug you? I don't feel comfortable hugs. What about handshakes? Yeah. A handshake's good. So just like, it's very interesting that you said he was like that young and he understood that. That's really cool. So moving on to our next question, and you can answer this if you would like to, you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. Um, was there ever a time that you were in a relationship that was unhealthy? And what did you learn from that relationship? Um, well, see, I was in an unhealthy relationship uh, and it was my first relationship. Um, I was about 16 and 17 in high school. And um, so it was my first love. So I really, you know, I felt like, you know, this is, you know, he loves me. This must be normal. But um, so once I had uh, my daughter uh, at the age of 20, um, see, I finally understood that a healthy relationship would, should provide, you know, balance and support to our lives. And those characteristics did not explain the relationship that I had with her father. Um, so what I did was I left, finally had like the courage to leave. And it was pretty much just thanks to having, having my daughter. I mean, that, that gave me like the courage to leave. Um, so because I yearned for her to have like, you know, a better life and, you know, just a whole, like a better male role model and everything I left, 
I mean, I really think that that speaks to how bad my low self-worth got in the relationship. Um, because during that whole five years of us being together, I really lost myself, um, pretty completely. Um, and so pretty much, you know, having my daughter helped me find the strength to leave. Um, and I, and I didn't even realize I needed to leave until I had her. It was just really crazy how I, you know, pretty much was lying to myself about the extent of how bad things were. Um, but you know, during the four years that I was single, I learned to love myself. I healed. Um, I, I gained everything that I lost during the bad relationship. So I think, you know, having that time to heal was just so important. And I, I guess what I learned was how important self love really is. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yes, I have been in plenty of unhealthy relationships, uh, starting from real, real young in elementary school. And all of these are unfortunately peer relationships. And so I think that says a lot about how our culture raises little boys. Um, but all of them were mentally, emotionally, and sexually abusive. And it really warped my idea of what a healthy relationship looked like because it started from so young. I knew that my parents were happy, but I never thought that that happiness was accessible to me. I only thought that what I had already experienced was the kind of relationship that I could have. And so that really carried into my behavior with others. I had no self-worth. I had no self-confidence. I couldn't tell anyone no. It was always yes, yes, yes. Even if I was crying, um, I would bend over backwards to make people happy. I would hurt myself to uh, satisfy other people. And that was horrible. And I, it took a long time and it's still taking a long time because this is something I went through for 10, 10 years nearly. Um, of, so I'm still like recovering from that, but it wasn't until that I met my now husband in high school and he was like, that behavior is not normal. <laughs> that, I, I really realized that, you know, oh, maybe it's not so normal. Um, and so I, I really attribute a lot of the success that I've had in like recovery to my husband because it takes a really patient guy to tell himself no when I'm saying nothing but yes. Um, and so what I really learned is one, that I'm worthy um, to my body is my body. I get to make the decisions on what happens to it. Um, and three, community is necessary for recovery. So, you know, Emily had her daughter and, you know, that was someone who, you know, even though, you know, she was a baby, um, you can look to her and go for you. I know I can do it. I was, had my husband who, you know, stood by me the whole time and gave me the support I needed. Some people have best friends. Some people have parents. Some people have people on crisis lines. The community is what really helps. I agree. Um, the community, you have to have a community. I was in a relationship. I had to turn to friends. Thankfully, I did. Um, but without them, like, where would I have gone? Uh the guy, we were living together, and he would tell me all the time, like, 
I would tell him that I would leave, I was going to leave and he'd be like, where are you going to go? You have no one. Uh, so knowing that you do have people, the community, I think is a big part of that because without them, like, could I have left? Um, but I also think like, you know, like after the honeymoon phase is over, you have to think like, are they a good person? Because eventually you're not going to be head over heels for them. And when that was over, like you can tell a person's true personality by that. I I was in a couple of uh, non-healthy relationships and, uh, but the worst one I would say is my, uh, was my first marriage on my second marriage. So, um, but, and it was not any physical abuse. It was really all emotional abuse that I did not recognize was emotional abuse until I was on the way out of it. And I think when I look back on it and reflect on how did I get to that place? Because my exterior was strong. I had a strong upbringing. I think it all boiled down to, or the majority of it uh, built down to my belief in my own self-worth. Because the reason I was able to, well, that someone was able to um, put me in an emotional abusive position is because like I was a scared to be by myself or didn't want to be alone or, you know, um, just did not value myself enough. And it took for me to do, uh, for him to be away due to the military. So not even on purpose, him to be away and for me to do like self-reflection on my own self. And so I think it was getting married at a young age before being able to know myself. I think somebody said something about earlier about knowing yourself and being able to know yourself. But I think it was before I was able to know myself and actually value myself. But I think that um, just as a female and as a woman being raised in the South and things like that, you have those expectations of, you know, you get married, you find a man and those are, that's your self-worth. You know, how many kids you have and, you know, your husband, your husband, your husband, you know, before you realize yourself. After self-reflection and things like that, I was able to start to step into my own self and realize that I don't need validation from a man to, um, you know, be who it, who it is I am purpose to be and to be successful and be fulfilled. So um, that I think it boiled down to self, me not knowing my self-worth. I just okay. want to add to that, uh, Dondra. Uh, boys and persons uh, who are gender fluid or gender neutral, um, your worth is not tied to your partner female, non-binary, alien, I don't care. Uh, if <laughs> if you, your worth is not tied to your partner, how much they like you or your cooking or the clothes you wear has nothing to do with your worth. End of story. I mean, just like point blank, do not tie your worth to your partner. And I also think that it's important, like, when the abuse is emotional and mental, even, even the strongest person is susceptible. 
because people who are emotional and mental abusers know how to use those words. Um, and so it's just a matter of always staying alert. And, you know, eventually, you know, we'll get to red flags, but just always, always keep a lookout for those, those uh, smooth talkers. I completely agree. I think, and especially with Dondra too, I think that every time where I have stayed in a relationship where it's not right, and I know it's not right, I kind of ignore the little feelings, or I used to, you know, it's been, it's been almost two years since I've been in a relationship. Internet, you know now. But <laughs> I think that when I was choosing to stay with people who I kind of knew deep down weren't right for me, it was that same self-worth issue where you know, not just in the South, but like, you know, you're, you grow up watching Disney movies and the princess always has a prince come in to save her. Or you grow up watching, you know, Kate Middleton get married and there being this giant, giant ordeal over her wedding, but then you never hear about what she does in terms of policy or in terms of like nonprofit work. It's a shame how society as a whole kind of has chosen to value women because it really can warp with your self-worth and have you tie it to how people see you in a relationship and not being alone as a point of pride rather than like choosing to focus on you know academic achievements or athletic achievements or just you know things that you love to do so I think that me finding ways to stay out of healthy relationships now stay out of unhealthy relationships now has been choosing to focus on myself. So. So I'm going to go off of that kind of from a different standpoint. I started dating someone when I was in high school and I was like 16, 17 and we ended up dating for whew, a little bit over four years. And while I would not have considered that an unhealthy relationship, Throughout that time, I developed unhealthy behaviors. Um, I had extreme jealousy issues. There were times when I would ask my partner to see their cell phone, to read their texts, to look at who they were following or not following. Um, and these were things I knew in the moment. Yeah, I shouldn't have been doing them. And I knew they were like not very nice. But then it took me a couple years to realize, looking back, you know, those were like manipulative, abusive behaviors, sadly. So, and I think, I mean, y'all, I'm on TikTok. I'm sure some of you guys are. You go on there and these are just things to laugh about. Like, it's just like a thing, like girls checking their partner's phones or even guys checking their partner's phones. Like, but I think it's important to bring it out because I mean, jealousy is human, but we need to learn to check that. And that's something that I still struggle with to this day. So going back to that you know, finding yourself and focusing on yourself. I'm focusing on myself so that I make sure I never become that person in a relationship again. So I think that's important to address as well. If you know someone, you have those tendencies, get that help. Seek out helping professionals whose job is to help you with those issues. So going on from there, um, what red flags do you guys look for in relationships? I want to address boys first, then girls. Um, so men, boys, old people, whatever. If, if you identify as a male and you prefer uh, feminine peoples, 
it is important to remember that more often than not, um, people who identify as moral on the feminine side are not always physically abusive. They certainly can be, but they are not always physically abusive. And it's more often not going to be mental and emotional abuse. And unfortunately, the world is not very nice to young men who want to seek help for mental and emotional abuse. It doesn't make you weak. It does not make you worse. It does not make you not good enough. If the person you are with is threatening to kill themselves, is, you know, checking your phone all the time, is, you know, trying to bait you. Uh, so like, say you have a fight and they immediately come out in fancy lingerie and tell you that everything's going to be okay and try to placate you like that. That is abusive behavior. Those are red flags. Leave the relationship. If they try to tell you that, you know, they wouldn't survive without you or you wouldn't find anyone better than them leave the relationship. It is not a good one. Um, and you don't have to give somebody a reason for breaking up with them. They can ask why, and you can just say, I just needed to, and walk away. Delete their number, block them. I don't care. And girls, abuse is not always getting punched in the face. It is not always getting punched in the face. Um, it can be co being coerced into having sex. It can be um, getting a suggestion to cut your hair because they think you would look better with it, but it's not a genuine place of looking better. It is trying to make you into something you're not. Um, it is telling you that you can't go visit your family this Christmas um, because, um, sorry, I, I really want you to stay home, but you haven't seen your family for over a year know those red flags when people are keeping you away from the people you love telling you things that are attempting to tie your self-worth and self-confidence to them are attempting to change who you are and your behaviors and it's clear that it is not out of a place of love because it's definitely something you don't want to do um and when people are always invading your personal space even when you've made it clear that you need it and want it those are abusive behaviors call them out Get out. That was very well said, Mandy. I really liked everything you said. Um, one thing that I found on the internet once, and this is, this is but it really resonated with me. Um, I think I found it on Pinterest, but um, it was a quote, and I have no idea where the quote is from, but it pretty much said, um, all of the red flags looked like white flags when I looked through my rose-tinted lenses. <laughs> and that just really resonated with me because you have to be very honest with yourself about the red flags that you see. That's another part of it is, is valuing yourself enough to not only acknowledge the red flags that they exist, but to do something about it because, you know, you deserve to have those boundaries and, you, you know, you deserve to be able to uphold those boundaries. So I think that that was the part of it for me that that was the issue is that I was really lying to myself about the red flags. And in my case, the red flags started off exactly how you mentioned it. Um, and over years, the culmination of ignoring them, it did get worse and, and it did turn to physical abuse. Um, so, so they worsen, like if you ignore the issue, the red flags, they just grow 
and they just increase. And over time, I mean, it's just going to multiply uh, over time. But again, I, I liked everything that you said, Mandy. That really, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I really love that quote, Emily. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up because, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorites. I will say that for me, I think a red flag, well, first of all, I like to joke that um, my job, if someone gets freaked out when I tell them that I work at a rape crisis center, that is an automatic red flag for me. I already had that. I'm like, there's no reason this should bother you or make you like weird out, especially in like dating. Um, so I always do that little test um, when talking to new people. But I think for me, and especially platonic relationships, when someone has to put you down to make them feel better about themselves, that is something that I experienced a lot in high school. Um, that is one of the red flags to me. Um, I do not appreciate when people do that. I don't know who does, but that's definitely one that I try to look out for now in relationships. It does not make you a bad person or me to, to leave a relationship, by the way, because when you leave a relationship, unfortunately, there will almost always be those people who tell you how horrible of a person you are for breaking somebody's heart. And they don't know the whole story. They don't know the truth. And sometimes they'll learn it and still think it. You're not a bad person. You're not worth less. You, you, you did what was right for you. And loving yourself. I, I hate the phrase, you, if you love yourself enough, you'll leave. Because that, that's not always the case. You can love yourself plenty and still be afraid and still be hesitant and still be worried about the person because you've been with this person for a week years it doesn't matter you have feelings for them no matter what and leaving is hard and so if you can't leave on your own but you know within yourself that you need to leave please for the love of all that is good seek out help call the crisis line call a friend call your parent call your church sermon leader call a professor, somebody will get you in contact with somebody to help you. Because it's always easier to do things when you're not doing them alone. Um, I think a red flag is um, someone who, um, when you notice that someone is very self-centered, but like really self-centered, to where, you know, it is always about that person, where your general concern is just, you know, not really an issue. If you, um, you know, someone who is concerned about themselves, they're not happy for your progress. You know, they don't, they don't support you progressing in different ways, whether it's professionally or just um, spiritually or just whatever your goals and aspirations are. If it's always about the other person, that is a red flag. And that's where there's a friend uh, or an intimate partner? I think a red flag that I always notice is anger. Like, everyone gets angry, but excessive anger, that's just a little bit much. Um, it's not healthy, and it really will make you feel negative, too. It, like, projects onto you. Absolutely. I think, so, in what I teach to, like, high school, middle school kids, abusive behaviors come from a place of either manipulation, control, or jealousy. So like if you're seeing behaviors like that where somebody is 
telling you not to do something to get you to do something that they want you to do. If someone is being controlling, you know, looking and checking your phone, controlling where you go and when, if they're getting jealous every time you get a phone call or every time you leave the house or when you talk about other friends, if they're not happy for you in your successes and they only want to see you kind of brought down to their level, those are all huge red flags. I think for both genders, if like you're on a date with somebody and you can tell that they hold really, really rigid gender norms, I think that's a red flag too. So those are the things that I personally try to watch out for. Yeah, in a healthy relationship, it should be your success together. It should be our success. It should never be a, their success or this person's success is a threat to the other person's. I think that's a really good point. Um, so we're going to change gears a little bit, but this is also very relevant. What does it look like to have a healthy relationship with yourself? And do you think this is an important part of developing healthy relationships with others? Yes. Absolutely. You must have a healthy relationship with yourself to have a healthy relationship with others. At the very least, be in the process of building a healthy relationship with yourself to have a healthy relationship with others because we don't know everyone's background. Sometimes you meet the person of your dreams or the friend of your dreams and you're not necessarily in the best place in your life. It happens, but you must be on the journey to building that healthy relationship with yourself. And, you know, you do that by one, acknowledging that you're not perfect. Uh, I think we, people often live in two extremes. Either I'm amazing and there's nothing wrong with me or everything's wrong with me. Um, and recognizing that you can be amazing and still have things wrong with you <laughs> is absolutely necessary. And recognizing those flaws within yourself and working on them, but also accepting that those flaws do not define you. I think is a key to having a healthy relationship with yourself. Like I know that I get really pouty when my husband plays video games with his friends for five hours on end. Uh, maybe that's not necessarily the best, but I also don't take that and then sabotage his gameplay. <laughs> like I recognize this within myself. I'll go do something else. And that way when he's done, we can spend time together. That is me recognizing my own flaws and having a healthy relationship with my own behaviors so that then I can have a healthy relationship with my husband. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And I also think that self-love and it's like a continuum that you have to work towards for your whole life. I mean, there'll always be issues and in question, um, about yourself I mean that's just normal but like just to continue every day to love yourself is really difficult but yet it makes all of the difference and so just to remember that the work is never done just to keep going is something that I've had to realize I think that making yourself a priority is like the biggest thing that you can do to love yourself and to like you know practice self-care everybody's heard self-care like you eat right you take care of your body, but I think also like prioritizing the things that you want to do sometimes over seeing a significant other, seeing your friends all the time, having the security that you can spend time alone and do that type of thing and kind of nurture like your love with yourself and your relationship with yourself. I think too, having that relationship with yourself obviously helps you connect with other people because when you know yourself, 
you're going to kind of stick true to who you are, the types of things you like to do, how you want to spend your time versus letting yourself be pulled every which way by a romantic partner, by your friends, and eventually getting kind of burnt out by, you know, just constantly doing things that, you know, are fun because you're with other people, but may not necessarily be what you want to be doing all the time, you know? I think part of a healthy relationship um, with myself for me is finding internal validation, um, knowing that this relationship doesn't work out. If this friendship doesn't work out, it's okay. Cause I still have me and not basing, you know, how I'm feeling, how good my day is my own worth on someone else's opinion of me. Any other thoughts or comments before we move on to our last question? Okay. I do want to say that real quick, I'm sorry, Faith. Oh, no, go ahead. But I do want to say really quick that um, having like found that healthy relationship with myself has really enhanced every relationship outside of myself, my relationship with my daughter, my parents, my friends, my husband. Um, and, and now I really value people who challenge me to be the best version of myself. So it, it honestly all sort of like folds outward in a positive way. So it really is like the foundation for which to grow all of your like healthy relationships. And so it is like the foundation of that. And it is really important. And it took me a long time to realize that for whatever reason. But, you know, once you realize that, then you can you can really grow from there. Um, but yeah, sorry to interrupt again. Oh, that was a great comment. Thank you for interrupting. I completely agree with you, Emily. I mean, I never had good long-term friend relationships until I began to see some kind of value in myself. And part of that was one, finding actually good friends, <laughs> but also I needed to be able to be a good friend. And I can look back and recognize where I wasn't a bad friend. Um, I was very ableist. And so, like I said, I never said no. The idea of what the relationship was was created because of my bad behaviors. Um, and so now, you know, I have these wonderful friendships where we are honest with each other. And if something's not going right or when something, you know, it, and there's an issue, you know, we can talk about it. Like just recently, um, one of my friends, unfortunately, forgot my birthday. <laughs> and I was a little bit petty and waited until just after midnight to tell them that they forgot it. Um, but, and we just talked about it. And I was like, look, I forgive you. I love you. I recognize that you didn't mean to but it still hurt my feelings. Um, and if you're able to do that with your friends and you both come to it without that bitterness or that anger or that um, resentment, then you know that you and your friends are in a good place because you should be able to talk to them like that. And part of that comes from you being honest with yourself and being comfortable enough being honest with yourself to be honest with them. I think you brought up a good point too, that we need to remember everyone's human. So like your friend, like she forgot your birthday. Sometimes we try to turn things in our head to like the most malicious intent when really it's just like, maybe she had like a really crappy day and things got away from her. 
So I do think that's something important to remember. When building healthy relationships with others, too, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's part of being in a healthy relationship is that you trust that they mean what they say and that they are going to do what they do. And then if she said, I'm so sorry, I forgot I didn't mean to, you believe that, you know? I should actually also correct myself because I did misgender my friend. They are a they, not a she. And I want to make sure I correct that here. They are a they. <laughs> okay. Thank you for doing that. I will be sure to leave that part in. But um, so now we are going to do our final question, which we always like to ask guests to come on our podcast. I would really like to thank um, all of you lovely women for coming on and sharing your stories. Um, we've appreciated your input. We've appreciated this discussion. I've enjoyed it. I hope y'all have enjoyed it. Um, and it hasn't been a waste of your time. But we want to ask you, what message do you have for survivors? Smile. You survived. That put a smile on your face. Go look in the mirror. Tell yourself you're beautiful and you did it because that's the only thing you should be thinking about yourself right now. For me, if I could go back in time and talk to my 20 year old self, I would say, you know, it gets better every day, um, every week, every month. It just gets better and better. It's hard right now at first, but it's worth it. Um, to leave is scary and to not let your pride be in the way of um, utilizing your community because I was very embarrassed for a long time and didn't talk about it. And it was really freeing when I finally just opened up and was able to talk about it. Um, it was just really freeing for me. Um, another thing is that I would tell myself to stay single and focus on yourself for a while. And I did do that. And, um, and it's okay to date, but just, just avoid any like serious commitment for a while, you know, until you, until you have found yourself again. Um, and another thing I would tell myself, which is really cliche, but I would tell myself that love, it just finds you when you're least expecting it. Um, because I felt so pressured, um, by society to be in a relationship, you know, like, Oh, well, what's next? And, you know, I, I wish I had the courage and strength back then to say, Oh, I'm loving myself. I'm in a relationship with me, you know? Um, but so I always felt that pressure. So that's something that I would also tell myself. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much it, but you know, it's really hard to keep that perspective when you're in the thick of it. Um, so I, I do like what you said, Mandy, just smile because you survived. That's true. I like that. I want to start by saying nobody deserves to be abused, just like nobody deserves to be sexually assaulted. So if you're in a situation like this, nothing you did or didn't do means that this deserved to happen. You're imperfect, but you're complete, just like all of us. You are worthy of love and respect and of kindness. And if and when you do decide to leave, or if and, do, if and when you do decide to get help, recovery comes in different ways to different people, right? So don't push yourself because you think there's something you should do or that you should be feeling. Don't don't put yourself on a timeline or on a comparison. Just be kind to yourself and be gentle.
I just wanted to say that was really beautiful and really soothing. So good. You made me feel better. <laughs> I want to add to what Eileen said. Um, Aileen? I, I, Aileen, okay. <laughs> I want to add to what Aileen said uh, because I think there are going to be people who listen to this and go start their journey of recovery. And it's not talked about a lot, but sometimes recovery can almost feel worse than the abuse itself. Um, because you have to go through it. You have to remember it. It's like reliving it a second time. And the recovery is not worse than the abuse. Okay. <laughs> I, it's, it may feel like it. It may like hurt like it. You may cry for a few weeks. You are going to end up in a better place and it's worth every second. And you may spend your whole life in recovery. Lord knows I'm still recovering. It gets better, significantly better. I just want to leave with just a simple quote from uh, Toni Morrison. And she has a quote that says, you are your best thing. And I love that. And I tell that to my girls and even some youth girls that I work with. But just that you are your best thing. And just to always remember that. Any other thoughts before we say goodbye to this podcast? No? All right. Well, thank you guys so much again for joining us. And thank you all who are listening out there. Um, I will be in the link below putting in some resources for um, dating or domestic violence, especially because um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So thank you guys again, and we will see you on the next podcast. Bye.